Hi everyone, I wanted to share a few things today. I have reached out to a few people to try and build up my podcast. I have also gotten back on Twitter, so if any of you want to join me on there, I'm under the name The Complex PTSD Guy. Also, if any of you have any questions for me, please feel free to message me. You can do this by going online to the Anchor app page online and looking up The Complex PTSD Guy and sending me a message. There's a button that says message. You just click on that. I've also reached out to a local radio announcer to see if she knows of any local podcast managers who can help me with some of my editing and sponsorship. Anyway, I have been focusing on my short story that relates to living with complex PTSD. Um, I've been using everything kind of as a metaphor for the brain of someone with complex PTSD. The main character is named Cecil. I've been working on developing Cecil's character. That's why today's title is Anger, Empathy, and Character Development. Cecil is the human version of the part of the brain called the amygdala, because when you have complex PTSD, your amygdala is sort of like the leader of how you behave. I've mentioned in the past how poetry has helped me overcome some of my grief. I learned this in a poetry workshop. When I first started doing poetry, I used to write poems that had no conclusion or resolution. It was just things happening. I think that's a reflection for how I feel sometimes. The poem I read on my last podcast was much like that. There was no real resolution. The reason I mention this is because I was wanting to do a podcast on overcoming anger by finding empathy for people who played roles in traumatizing you. I know that that is not easy to do. I basically forgave my abuser about a year ago, right when COVID started, Um, but it was the enabler of the abuser that has taken me a really long time to really concretely find empathy for. Basically, I think this person is traumatized and is in a state of fear under the abuser. So that's where I try to find my empathy. But at the same time, this person can be very condescending and has this tick where they have extreme denial. I've seen this a few times with them. They can also be what I like to call right in the wrong way. They tend to be accurate about things, but they themselves are actually mentally sick. I'm not the only one who has said this about the enabler. Two women have said this to me in the past that, you know, this person is is sick. You know, there's something wrong. And that was very key to me ever finding an ounce of empathy for them. Others have said if the enabler of my abuse had to actually acknowledge their own role in the abuse that they would probably crack. So it can be a very tricky dance. It's also like you come to a point where you find empathy for them and then they immediately do something that makes you wish you hadn't. That happens a lot with me and this person. The point of all this is that I am using anger and empathy to, ve- to develop my character of Cecil. I want Cecil to find resolution for his issues, like that poetry group helped me to do with my poems that had some rage in them. There's a really great movie called Midnight in Paris, where the actress Kathy Bates, who plays Gertrude Stein, who was a writer in the early 1900s, as Gertrude Stein, she tells the character Owen Wilson who's playing an American who traveled back in time to Paris, 
in the 20s, she has this really great, great uh, line in the movie that is very inspiring. She talks a little bit about, you know, we all struggle with concept of death and dying and we're all afraid of that. But she says, in advice to him about his own writing, she says, the artist's job is not to succumb to despair, but to find an antidote for the emptiness of existence. And I believe that's something Gertrude Stein actually said. And that is a really beautiful line. I'm going to repeat that. The artist's job is not to succumb to despair, but to find an antidote for the emptiness of existence. And she is totally right. I had to do this when I wrote my play. There had to be an antidote for the emptiness of the existence. I think with any form of PTSD or any form of trauma, people experience that emptiness of existence. I know I have struggled since I was about the age of 14 with chronic suicidal thoughts and extreme depression. It's a constant pick myself up back up out of the sadness, but it develops resilience, so there's a positive. And I'm not always depressed. I'm, I'm perfectly happy 50% of the time. Every negative has an equal and opposite positive. It's just a matter of engaging with the positive. It's also a matter of turning lemons into lemonade. So one of the key features of Cecil will not just be his resilience, since he is a survivor. And by the way, a lot of the language in my short story and the background, the geography, will be Greek because Greek culture is a survivor culture. Um, Greek language has survived. Anything to do with Greece has survived throughout the ages, so there's a lot of Greek themes in my short story. But also, um, Cecil's ability to eventually find empathy, that can seem so tiring to get to at times. Um, That'll be a key feature for Cecil. So Cecil will probably have similar issues to myself since I have complex PTSD. Something in this story will reflect the long-time anger that is so challenging to overcome in order to find empathy. My guess is that the anger will be represented as something that keeps falling apart, because when you hold on to anger, things tend to fall apart for you. So maybe the bridges in his kingdom will frequently collapse, which will have two meanings. Threats won't be able to enter his kingdom as easily because the bridges are down, but also solutions can't enter either because he's kind of locked up. He shut, he shut himself off. That is what anger does. It blocks out the bad and the good. So as Cecil builds his empathy, his kingdom will become more functional. It could also be that Cecil is mad that the priestess of wisdom from the neighboring kingdom, she wants to steal from Cecil to see how he is able to survive without a king in his kingdom. Remember, Cecil is the leader. He's a military leader, and his entire kingdom sees him as their leader, and they love him. They do not have a typical king playing this role. Cecil will have anger and lack empathy for this priestess and her theft attempt. But maybe Cecil will find empathy for her since she was just trying to protect her own people by stealing his secrets. Maybe that will be his saving grace. And eventually the high priestess will learn that it's Cecil's frequent pain that built his resilience to where his kingdom does not need a king, because Cecil is a survivor. This is why Cecil's kingdom is perfect. Because like people who have complex PTSD, we always accurately show what our trauma is by how we react to particular triggers. 
We are perfect in this sense. We aren't making it up. It's always a perfect response. It may make us feel like we aren't functional in society, or at least it does for me, but I think it shows that we make perfect sense. Finding pleasure in who we are will probably be what Cecil finds in the end. This is one thing that I have struggled with a lot. I wish I was better in relationships and communicating things to others and seeing danger when it's right in front of my face. And I wish I was not a self-sabotager. And I need to find pleasure in that and know it's perfect. Well, I wanted to share how I am developing Cecil because it really helps me overcome my own obstacles, much like poetry has in the past. That is all I have to share today. Take care and have a happy first day of spring. This is the Complex PTSD Guy signing off.